Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Hoops Podcast. We are back, top of the week, getting into our two-a-week flow. Eric Newman, New York, BJ Armstrong in LA. BJ, obviously the season, two weeks old, so much to talk about. Big weekend of action. You were at Clippers Jazz at Staples Center Sunday night. Let's start there. What are you seeing from the Clips and Jazz, and how was the night? Well, I'm going to start here with the the topic at hand. In our house, we have a saying where we refer to supernatural events. Excellence. We refer to it in the Armstrong household as Jack Power. I'm giving Kawhi Leonard that new nickname. He is supernatural. He is the first player in my eyes since Kobe Bryant that we can really refer to as a superstar in the NBA. Why? Because this kid never has a bad night. This kid doesn't have an off night. This kid is Jack Power. He is a superstar of superstars. He did not play well. The Clippers did not play well, but somehow, some way, because of Kawhi Leonard's excellence on the court, in particular in the fourth quarter, Eric, he had 12 points heading into the fourth quarter. He was not shooting the ball well. They were not playing well. The Jazz were leading the whole the, the, the whole game, and suddenly in the fourth quarter, this kid elevates his game to a whole nother level, ends the game with like 30 points, six rebounds or so, three assists, three steals, and he only shot nine of 26 from the field, and they still win the game conventionally. Great effort by what we call Jack Power in the Armstrong's neighborhood i love it i love it so you know listen we've talked about this many times we're we're in a society we're in a space where everyone's a superstar everyone's a star this and that you and i know the difference between very very good players and and the cream of the crop so everybody's not a superstar right right but you're saying since since kobe so like where's lebron james in this mix because obviously there's only certain players that reached the level of Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, you're grouping these guys in the elite of the elite when when the, the when the money's on the table, when the chips are down, when it's time to gut out a fourth quarter and get it done, these are the guys, and Kawhi's that guy right now. Kawhi is that guy. Kawhi is that guy. He's For that sure. guy. Now, yeah. all of this other guys are really good players. I'm not disrespecting anyone. There are some really talented players in this league. But what makes you a superstar player is you don't have nights off. If you're a superstar, there are no nights off. There are no bad nights. You find a way to impact the game. Yep. You don't have to, you don't have to score. 
but you impact the game and you impact it with one thing in mind to win. That's what he did. When, when the game, when, when the game needed him most, when his team needed him most, he comes up with 18 points in the fourth quarter alone. The guy against, just, against, against a team, obviously Utah still finding its way, but Utah after seven games is, is second in defensive rating. So obviously okay. this is not this is not 18 <laughs> points against Charlotte. This is not 18 points against uh, Minnesota. This is 18 points against a very good team pulling out a win. I I, I get he, it. I get it completely. He's, yeah, he's I mean, on another he, level. He, he's on. He is a superstar. Doc Rivers. <laughs> Doc Rivers did something last night that was like, it, it was just it was just it was just genius. Doc Rivers takes him out late in the third. I'm going to say for about four or five minutes to go in the third quarter. Kawhi's not playing well. The game is kind of, you know, six, eight points. He just takes Kawhi out. And I said, wow, what what, what a brilliant move. And I was uh, with, the, with a colleague of mine. He was like, why is he taking Kawhi out? I was like, you know what? Because he knows, and he's getting Kawhi ready to make the push in the fourth. Because he can, he can afford to do that with a player like Kawhi Leonard. Because he has an X factor in the game, that that kid is that kid is a true superstar, and to all of the young boys and girls and people playing the game, you want to know what a star looks like? Just check out that man that's wearing them New Balance sneakers, Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard. That's Jack Power. <laughs> Jack Power, he is the best of the best in this association. Now, I don't know about what it's going to look like two or three years from now. But right now, Jack Power, he's the man. I wonder if New Balance is going to like the name Jack Power. I'm going to float it to my guy <laughs> over there. But, you know, I, I, I want to stay on this for a moment. But we're talking about Kawhi in this manner. And on Friday night, headed into the weekend, and then again uh, Sunday in San Antonio, uh, LeBron does it again with back-to-back triple doubles, letting everyone know that the, the Lakers are here and they're coming and, and I'm, I'm back at that level. So this, this LA collision course that we're hoping for, and obviously you can't judge too much on what we saw opening out of the season, but things are shaping up very nicely. Now, very important Clippers question I have for you. And this has to do, um, this has to do with doc and this has to do obviously with Kawhi, but you know, aside from the Kawhi greatness, and, and Doc is doing such a marvelous job managing a lot of these moving parts together very early in the season, uh, what surprised you the most about the Clippers without having Paul George in the lineup? Well, what has surprised me the most is how their role players have all kind of followed in to what's going on over there. You know, when you look at guys like J- uh, Jermichael Green, and Maurice Harkless, you know, Montrez Harrell and those guys, you know, they're going to do what they do. But Kawhi Leonard's presence alone has put everyone else and they've just fallen into place. And I really respect that. You know, you look at guys like Patrick Patterson and, 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 and Patrick Beverly. And let's talk about this, Eric, the thing that's scary. They don't even have, you know, Mr. George back yet. Yep. And everybody's already everybody well, everybody's already comfortable in these roles. Like obviously, this greatness, this guy that can do it all, this guy that's a facilitator, a playmaker, a closer, the best two way player in the game. What is it about Kawhi and Doc 
that enables these guys to be comfortable so quickly? And then how much better does it get when Paul George gets back? I got two words for you, Eric. Championship pedigree. Those are great words. Those are great words. They they have championship pedigree pedigree behind them. These both of them, Doc Rivers, they are approaching this season with a championship mentality. They're bringing it. Doc's Doc's got that look. Doc got that look. Hey, Doc isn't coaching to be the best team in a regular season. Doc isn't even implementing yet the complexities of his offense. When they need the, when they need scores or they need to carry the game, Lou Williams was there last night to carry the game when they were struggling. When they need to get their defense stepped up, he brings in Montrez Harrell and Harkless and these guys to push the game. When the game gets on the line, he puts the ball in his best player's hands and he says, just go make plays. And everyone else understands that. And when you watch them win the way they won last night, and it was a very impressive game. It wasn't a pretty game at all. Okay, they played far from Clipper basketball. They they weren't like 75%, 80%. They It was an ugly, ugly no, game. No, it was a grinder. They and shot 39 they, from the floor and, and 22 from three. But, you know, they, they went to the no, line 34 had, yeah. times. And, they, and had no they, reason. they had no reason. Figures. Yeah, had no reason to win that game last night. And Will. And, and, Will. And, and and give Donovan Mitchell and, and the Jazz credit. The, they were right there on the road. They had an opportunity. And but you know what? The Clippers, in, in particular, I mean, this this kid made some plays down the stretch. There's nothing I can say. And I'm gonna tell you, if when Paul George comes back, it's gonna be like wow. Okay, when he comes back. But here's one that's scarier that was going around the Clipper Clipper Nation last night. What if they get Andre Iguodala in the fold? Wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that they will be one of the great defensive teams that we've seen in the NBA if they get Andre Iguodala into the fold. This team can defend. They can defend at every position, led by their by their their their, their emotional leader, Patrick Beverly. Okay, mm-hmm. and Kawhi Leonard made some defensive plays last night. That you just, I mean, I'm telling you, Eric, this team could be scary on the defensive end. We know what Doc Rivers can do with a great defensive team that plays unselfishly offensively and everybody knows their role. We, we know what the result of that is. So um, he knows the blueprint and he's meshed this talent together beautifully to start the year. Uh, the team on the other side last night, the Utah Jazz, um, you know, they're, they're, they're finding their way. Real quick for the Clips, though, before I jump ahead, uh, Clippers have um, Milwaukee Wednesday, which will be a terrific game to watch. That's circled on my viewing schedule. They've got yes. Portland. Then they've got Toronto and Houston. I mean, this is quite a week for them coming up. So national TV. Uh, across the board, uh, I think I think at least two of those games. Uh, Michael fact-checked me on that. Uh, and then the Jazz, they've got Philly and Milwaukee this week as well. So, you know, Utah's 4-3. Uh, I love the groove Donovan Mitchell is finding right now. Mike Connolly ha- has helped in that for a way. But Mike Connolly uh, has yet to find his groove. Uh, he's had 
a one for 16, a three for 11, an 0 for seven, a two for 10. Um, defensively, we know what kind of team uh, Utah is. Offensively, they're struggling. It's early, but uh, how concerned should we be about Conley and their Jazz right now? Is this just a, a matter of getting comfortable and, and taking that time to, to mesh in? Or you, you probably know this better than anybody. Is Conley pressing at this point? Well, you'd hope that Mike Conley settles into what Utah and what they're doing. But we have to remember, you know, this kid is in what year 12, year 13 now. And uh, he spent his whole career there in Memphis and it's going to take some time to adjust. And Mike Conley without question is a pro. The thing that I'm most concerned with Mike Conley is that now at 32 years of age, you know, there's four things that you have when you come into this league as a young kid, you know, you have the size, you know, when I say size, you're strong, you have the, the, you know, you have, you have the size and the, and the length, you know, you have size and strength, and then you have speed and quickness. But as you get up there in age, especially as a guard, 31, 32 years of age, one thing deteriorates and that is speed and quickness. And these young kids, they seem like they're getting faster and faster and faster. And you've heard me talk about, you know, when I saw Allen Iverson and Stefan Marbury and these guys coming in, when I was beginning to get, in my later years as a pro. Now Mike Conley is at that 31, 32 years of age where speed and quickness is going to be a concern. And I'm concerned about the minutes he's playing, especially early in the season. I would like to see his minutes cut down to around 27, 28 minutes. And I'm really looking for him to really be ready for when they really got him in the playoffs. But I think right now he's playing a lot of minutes. I think right now he's trying to find his way. And, um, you know, he's a veteran. He's not going to panic. He's been around. He's been, he's battle tested. But early on, I think he's playing a little too much, in my humble opinion, especially where he's at in his career. But I'm sure it, there will be the balance. I'm, I'm, and, I, and I look, I know what they're trying to do there. They're trying to get a good start. In the West, every game matters. And um, you want to get the best start that you can. And certainly Mike Conley will play a pivotal role in their success this year. Yeah, he's 32, but that's 32 with a lot of miles after uh, leaving Ohio State uh, early, I believe, after his uh, freshman year with teammate Greg Oden. Uh, so he's he's been in the league for a while. He's playing 29 minutes per game right now. I think when Utah gets uh, hopefully a healthy Dante Exum back, uh, they'll be able to work him into the rotation and, and keep Connolly fresh for the course of the season. And, and you said it. this is a Utah team that um, wants to go deep in the playoffs. Sure, they'd love to finish top three or four in the West, but most importantly for them is come playoff time, everyone's fresh. And, and that's a team because of their uh, defensive capability, because they have a closer like Donovan Mitchell, uh, they can win road games. So we'll see. Um, Clippers, all four of those games this week are national TV. So yeah, that's, that's I, gonna be good. Um, that's it's going to be good. I got I to gotta adjust my sleep schedule accordingly, which uh, we, we all know happens this time of year. Uh, it's, it's nice when, uh, you know, the, the Celtics are grooving on the East Coast, and I've got some great uh, West Coast games to watch as well. I, I catch that afternoon nap. But uh, speaking of East Coast and speaking of a team, I think people were napping and snoozing on to start the season, and that's the 5-1 and one Miami Heat. And, you know, this week – um, ahead, they uh, have a little their their first mini West Coast trip. Uh, they go Denver, they go Phoenix, and they go the Lakers. 
this is a team that is is really uh, garnering some attention here early. They they you know they beat Milwaukee uh, on the road, and then they absolutely just hammer the Rockets the other night. They get up to a 46 to 14 first quarter lead. They carry that over to the second quarter, 58 to 19. That's correct, 58 to 19. Obviously, the Rockets were not ready to play that night. Um, big contributions from Kendrick Nunn. Big contribution contributions from Tyler Hero. Um, this team is is really uh, showing that they belong in the conversation at least early on. I know your litmus test is twenty to twenty five games, but um, they're, they're right in the mix with Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston. And I don't see any reason why they're going to fade. Do you? Well. You know, look, you look at this team, you know, Miami, they're going to be well coached. You know, they're going to play hard and you know, they're going to be in shape and condition and all of those things. My biggest concern for them is they have young players, in particular rookies that are playing very well for them. Tyler Hero. And as you mentioned, Kendrick Nunn, Kendrick Nunn, this kid, Kendrick Nunn has grabbed my attention. He's been scoring. He has nice size. He had a terrific summer league, and now it's carried over into the regular season. And he's been doing this fairly consistently, not only at home, but he's been playing well on the road. And he's been a, a major contributor to the success, to the early success of the, the Miami Heat. Now we're saying, okay, let's give him about 20, 25 games. You know, we're looking for the rookie wall to be to come up at some point. You know, they, I mean, these guys are young. This is their first go around at it. But again, you like the way they're playing. You like uh, what they're doing. Now they're getting some of their veterans back. Jimmy Butler is back. You know, the kid that's really made a big step is Bam Mm -hmm. out of bio. He's been playing well. So you like what you're seeing, but it's early in the season. And I don't want to put too much pressure on these young players because they are young players. But I really like it. I like what the future holds for them. I think they have a good mix of veterans and young guys. And I like the responsibility that these young players are, are taking, uh, especially early on in the season. And um, you know what? I'm going to continue to watch this team because uh, they've kind of grabbed my attention. What shouldn't be lost in this though, BJ, and, and you, you know, I get your point completely with the young players. They've also got the vets to balance that out. And what they're doing with the backcourt here, you essentially have two starting backcourts. So they're starting Nunn and Butler together. Uh, Jimmy missed a couple of games due to, uh, you know, a a new member of the family being born. He had a a birth of his daughter. But Butler and Nunn together to start, and then you bring Goran and Tyler Hero together off the bench. And if this continues to work this way, Spolster may have created the formula to eliminate the rookie wall for these guys because neither of them have to carry too much of a load with either the first team or the second team. You can always play Goran heavier minutes certain night. You know you can play Butler heavy minutes some nights. Um, and it keeps, it keeps their backcourt fresh. It keeps the opponents on their heels. And imagine being a second-string backcourt and you've got to deal with Goran Dragic and Tyler Hero coming at you. I mean... This is this is a really great formula that Spolster has come up with here. So I um I like it. They've well, been yeah, enjoyable yeah, to yeah. watch, and and I and I think it's something that's going to continue to work for them. Yeah, I, I like Spol. I like look. I, I'm a huge 
Spo fan, right? He, what he's been able to do in his career. But you know what? There's no replacement for experience. And at some point, their age, you know, is going to catch up with them. And then, and, but I give these guys credit. You know, they've come out of the gate. They came out of the gate with, with you know what? Hey, we, we're here to perform. So I like what they're doing. I like what they've shown, but they're still rookies. <laughs> oh, for sure. They're, they're still rookies. And, and, and but you got to like what you see, though, because, you know, next year and the year after, they're not going to be rookies. And now I can really put the pressure on them to perform like this because I've come to expect it now that I've seen it. So if they can continue to build on this, if they can continue to when the when the games get more sophisticated, meaning you know, right now they're really not in the in the scouting report, but at some point they will be, and they're going to have to make adjustments in their game. And that's the great thing about having veterans. These veterans know that the games will get uh, a little bit more sophisticated, you know, as the season goes on. But I got to give them credit. It's a great start, and uh, we'll see how long it continues. Yep, it'll it'll be a test for sure this week at Denver, at Phoenix, and at the Lakers. Uh, Quick fun fact for you here. Do you know where uh, Kendrick Nunn was in training camp last year? Was he with the Warriors? Was he with the Warriors or no? He was. He was. Yeah, so I thought I remember seeing him playing in the D League uh, or the G League down there. Yep. Mike um, just Mike 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 uh, Mike just dropped it. Dropped it in our notes here. Kendrick. Nunn Mike was just with dropped the it. In Mike. He just year. dropped the mic. Dropped the dropped mic. It. Imagine <laughs> if he was with the Warriors now. Feeding my guy, Eric Paschal. Um, <laughs> happy birthday to big Eric, by the way. It's his birthday uh, as we record this on Monday. I, uh, lucky enough to, to film Eric back in the day when he was uh, finding his way in the AAU circuit, playing with Donovan Mitchell, and now he's uh, starting for the Warriors in place of uh, the injured Draymond Green. But crazy to think he's a second-round pick who's now going to be definitely sticking in the league. He looks terrific. Um, all right, final item for us to start the week. Um, Denver Nuggets, they've got Miami this week. They've got Philly Friday, Minnesota Sunday. Uh, they got the, they got their asses handed to them by, by New Orleans. And Coach Mike Malone was not happy uh, calling it both a disappointing and embarrassing effort. Um, they then go beat Orlando on the road. So are you concerned by this? Let's say inconsistent start by the Nuggets, but or or is this just you know a team finding its way to start the year? Because on the other hand, they've also looked pretty good a few of these games, including an impressive win at Portland. You know, Eric, um, there's a learning curve and learning and going from from one position to another. They are a team. Talking about they, the Denver Nuggets are a team that is that is in transition. They're going from. Being from the hunter to now the hunted. Now teams are evaluating themselves against the Denver Nuggets. This is a new role for them and this team. This is one of the teams that many of the experts are picking to come out of the West. You know, this team is shown that they have the talent. They have a star player. They have, they're deep. They're well coached. And now, if the Denver Nuggets were the team that came out of the West, none of us would say, no, that, that, that's, I could see that. They are one of the upper echelon teams right now in the Western Conference. Now, with that comes a responsibility 
and comes a different way of thinking because now they have to find ways within to figure out how to match that intensity night in and night out. They're not sneaking up on anyone now. I think Coach Malone and his staff are going to have to realize and come to the conclusion that all, I think, championship caliber coaches come to, that this team is going to give it to me twice. They're going to listen to me twice during the, the course of the year. They're going to listen to me on the first day of practice, and they're going to listen to me at the first day of the playoffs. And this team's got to make up its own mind how they are going to handle this situation. The coaches clearly want you to give the effort and energy every night, but the coaches can't play for you. The team is going to have to do that and provide that effort and energy that's necessary to be at that level because everyone now is coming for the Denver Nuggets. And that's, this, is a new, this is a new role for them. I get it, but this is a very dangerous place to be in if you're the Denver Nuggets. And here's why, Eric is because if the team determines if the team determines that they can't do that it can go it can go it can go sideways it can get a little sidetracked so i get what the coaches are saying there in denver i understand that but at the same time you know that responsibility and that accountability has to come from within that locker room and the, and you have to be very careful that the coaches don't want something for the team that the team doesn't want for, for itself. So being able to, to being able to police yourselves in that locker room right now is very, very important. And Denver is going through that. And I think Denver's leadership from within talking about the players. Now this is an opportunity for them to say, this is who we are in Denver. We can live with the results as long as we give the effort necessary to be the best team that we can be. And that always comes from within. So um, this is a growing pain. This is a growing step for them, and we'll see how it plays itself out. For, for sure. And listen, th this is this is a four-and-two team after two weeks of the season. There's no reason to panic now, but th there can't be a, a night where they hit the snooze button like that again. Not in the West, not with the competition in the standings, <laughs> not with the Dallas Mavericks and Phoenix Suns and Minnesota Timberwolves off to fast starts here, muddying the waters even more. So, uh, Jokic. Well, well, Eric, there's going to be some nights like that. Eric, there's going to be some nights like that. Like every, in, the, in the course of an 82-game schedule, Eric, there are going to be about five nights a year where you just can't explain. Fair. It's just going to be like, it's, it's going to be like five nights where you just can't explain. There will be other nights where the other team, hey, man, they just play well. They shot it well, maybe due to travel or what, whatever the situation may be. But for the most part, Eric, you have to be consistently beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, especially at home. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you got to win at least 50% of your games on the road. Now, this team here, Denver, right now, this is a new role for them. This is a new role for them. And this yep. is all brand all new. What they back, did, for sure. Yeah. It's, for sure. What, what, what they did last year, that was last year. Now, this is a new year. And let me assure you, when Denver comes to, to your arena, this is a big game for that team. You know why? Because now everyone has been saying Denver is one of the elite teams. So they get an opportunity to evaluate themselves. And that's important for them to know. This isn't, this isn't every, this is why I always 
when you saw the, the, the great players in this league, they were able to be great every single night. And Denver right now is learning what that truly means. So this isn't a cakewalk for them just because they were good last year. The, the quicker they can get rid of last year, the better off this team is going to be because everyone right now is pointing towards them. For sure, for sure. And the, the other interesting thing of note here is, uh, you know, they're starting to weave Michael Porter Jr. into the lineup. And uh, that's something to keep, keep an eye on, too. Uh, Will Barton uh, uh, was out a bit over the weekend. Porter got some some minutes uh, in that game that got out of hand against the Pelicans that they lost. Looked very good. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to monitor that as well. So great start to our week here with uh, the Fear Who's podcast. BJ, great job as always. Special thanks to producer Mike Lieber, Bruce Bernstein, editor Benjamin Wolfen, and the entire Pure Hoops media team. Be sure to check out the Mike Wise Show, dropping each and every Monday. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is on its way back. Stay tuned for that announcement. And, of course, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with one and only Monica McNutt. BJ and I will be back for our second episode of the week this Friday with the Pure Hoops Podcast. Enjoy all the action this week, everybody. And, of course, stay pure. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.